Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Hey everyone, great to be with you again today. It's Pastor Jeff Woodward here from Metro Church. Welcome to the series that we call My Story. It's certainly one of my favourite things in the entire month. I have been so thrilled every time I've gotten to interview someone from our church to be able to discover what God has done in their life to bring them up to where they are. And it's been remarkable to hear these incredible stories. I know that sometimes in church life, we can begin to think that it's all about who's on the platform, as though somehow or other they're special. But the reality is that every single believer is special and is specially used by God. So in just a couple of minutes, I'm going to be introducing a fabulous couple to you. Many of you will know them. You'll know their life, some of it, but I guarantee there's a whole lot about it you don't know and that you'll find incredibly inspiring. So stay with us for that, won't you? But just before we do do that, let me just encourage you again and say thank you to every one of you that's continuing to be faithful in your giving towards God. You know, all of the stuff that happens all week long in terms of people's lives being touched, all the things that happen, even this broadcast actually, uh, is made possible because people give. I know that's not just why we give. I know there's a lot of reasons. Most of us just give simply because we are grateful to God. We just say, God, look what you've done for me. How could I fail but to want to give back to you in some remarkable way? And so I would love to pray with you about your giving. Just believe in God for you. I believe in a God who wants to reward, wants to bless, wants to give more so that we can have more flow through us. So let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank you for every single person that's a part of this broadcast. Some of them, Lord, are going to be people that are new to Metro, or maybe this is even their first time they've stumbled on us on YouTube or on some other platform. And Father, today you want to speak to their life. But I thank you, Lord, for all the people that continue to be faithful over week after week, month after month, and year after year. I pray, God, that their home and their life will be blessed by you. But, Lord, more than that, I pray, God, it'll never just be about finance or about something in the accounts. But, God, it'll be that we are walking with you and we are trusting you for our days and for our future. So I thank you for your blessing in every life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, By the way, before we get into this as well, don't forget next week, uh, if you're watching this on that particular Sunday where it's live, next week is Metro Life. I think it's been one of the, again, one of the most fabulous things we've done in the last couple of years where we get together and share our life with one another. I think that's important because it's more than simply having dinner together in a social setting. It's more than simply some kind of uh, fellowship in the very broad and general sense, it's actually building strong connections so that for what God has for us, we can walk together. And I really pray that you'll make space for that in your life. So thank you for that. As well, of course, this being November, we're really gearing up for Red Frogs, gearing up for that fabulous week of ministry down south. Thousands and thousands and thousands of young adults are going to be ministered to by the church. And, of course, one of the great ways you can be a part of that is simply through that fantastic pancake ministry. And so buying some of those every time you go to the shops, bringing them in, uh, our goal is to get a 1,000 pancake shakers. And if you think you'll never use that many, trust me, these kids are hungry and I've never seen anyone say no. They want them for sure. So thank you to everyone who brings those in. 
But let's come to my story. Uh, this is about the story of what God has done in someone's life. And I'm really excited uh, to have with me today a couple that lots of you at Metro will know and love because they've impacted your life. Maybe they've done some, uh, well, I know they care for so many uh, that literally I think almost every week I hear of someone else that they're helping. And I'm just so thrilled with that and with the way they are allowing God to use them in a pretty amazing kind of way. But then some of their story I never knew. So, Chris Brittenden. How are you? Di Brittenden. Lovely to have you here. I can hear the applause rippling throughout all the lounge rooms and the offices as people are watching this going, oh, Chris and Di, we love them. Or as some of the kids say, Auntie Di and Uncle Chris. And, and you're the adopted grandparents for so many people in Metro as well. And you're just two very special people. But let me jump right in, Chris, because I guarantee very few people know that you were an Anglican minister. I not was, I am. You are. I, I am. beg your pardon. Still, still am. He's an Anglican minister, was a parish priest, minister, yeah, a priest, 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 that? Yeah. parish priest for 10 years in New Zealand. Yes, yes. And I remember being surprised when I heard that. I didn't. I tried to imagine you in a... Did you wear a collar or anything? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, yes. I used to look like a Roman Catholic priest. Wow. I used to dress up like that because my wife thought that that was the, that that was the best-looking collar. And so it was very nice to drive down the street and have little Roman Catholic children calling out, Hello, Father. <laughs> so I've got to start at the beginning because you're both from New Zealand. Yes. And... Your father was away in the Air Force, I believe, Second in the Second World War. He was, yes. And so you kind of grew up without a dad for the early part <laughs> of your life. First 18 months of my life, at least, my dad was not home. That's right. But your grandfather was the Salvation Army. Yes, my mum grew up in the Salvation Army. Okay. Yeah. So what do you think it was? Because I remember you told me that even from a young age, there was this bent towards God in yes, your life. Yes, there was, yes. Don't know what it was really, but I was a conscious of two things: a conscious of my own identity that I was a, I was I was me, and other people were, were whoever they were, but I was an entity by myself, and I was always conscious of the presence of God. And I, um, what do you put that? Do you know where that where that comes from? Just from God Himself. Uh, that's all I can say. I've heard that from so many people though who've told me that when they were very young there was an awareness of God that maybe they couldn't even give words to or to express mm -hmm. and yet I just think it's one of the most beautiful things I know about God because we sometimes say I found Jesus and I go no he found us. Yeah well I, I my own understanding is that uh, the scripture says that in him we live and move and have our being. And in Greek and Hebrew, the words for spirit, wind and breath are all the same. Mm -hmm. So that when the wind is blowing, it's an indication to us that we are in the presence of the spirit of God. So that's how I would understand it. So all through your growing up life, you had this awareness of God without really knowing what that meant. But you felt drawn to becoming an Anglican minister from a fairly early age. Well... In 1949, I would imagine it was, I was in the backyard of our home in New Zealand, which was a state house, 
And the woman across, there was a young woman across the road, she'd have been a solo mother in today's world. And she had a little boy who was living with a, with a, with a, with a widow, an old, an old lady. The little boy got into the, got into the widow's tablets, little pills I imagine. But the cry of this, this woman pleading for the man next door to come and do something for this boy. Uh, and I remember my he mother... He overdosed on these pills. I, he played with them. He, I think he'd taken a few. Right. Now, what happened, I don't know. But I, I moved forward instinctively. My mother told me to get, get away from there, get away from How there. How old were you? About five, maybe six. Um, and I, I thought myself, you know, surely, where is God? Where is the vicar? Where is the church? We should be, we should be front. We should, wow. be, we should be first cab off the rank here. Wow. And we weren't present. Mm. And it was just something that lived with me always. Wow. It drew me. I, I can still hear that woman. I'm nearly 79 now. I can still hear that woman calling out. Wow. But you spent, since then, let me jump way, way forward. Most of your life, it seems to me, from the parts of it that I know, have been you having that same thought of going, I represent Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'm part of the church. Mm -hmm. And the church belongs wherever there's a need, yes. wherever there's pain, wherever there's brokenness, we ought to be present. Yes. And we don't always have all the answers, as I'm sure you would agree. Yeah. We don't always know what to do, but we can always be there. Yes. Which I think is what really kind of characterises both of your lives. Did you grow up with the same awareness of God at all? Yeah, Donna? I can't ever remember even asking Jesus into my heart. Because from the, we, my brother's eight years younger than me um, and my sister's 15 months younger than me. And I remember us as gathering around his bassinet from the very night that he came home. We, we always had prayers all my life. We always had, mother, um, we cut our teeth on scripture union. Do you think, can I ask uh, this questions without notice, because I'm just because I'm interested. Because I know lots of Christian parents today that we get busy, we're all very busy. But having that moment where your mum or your dad or whoever prayed with you each night as a child makes a pretty profound accumulation of prayer and and a hunger and a desire for God through your life, doesn't yes. it? And, and the thing that I think I would say now, and I did not do it with my own children, we did, we did the prayers in there, and, but when they were old enough to read the Bible for themselves, um, and when I was old enough to read the Bible for myself, we had to write notes in a little book of what we'd read. But um, we, we, our parents stopped praying with us, and I think that that, is a sad thing now. I think one of the best gifts a parent ever gives a child is the awareness that prayer is just normal. Yes. It's not something that should be reserved for. My yes. mum had a china cabinet that had the, you know, the, the ornamental plate, saucer and cup. I don't think I ever saw those used. No. They were always going to be for some special occasion. We used to laugh and go, she's waiting for the queen to come or something. But, and for some people, prayers like that, and yet, I also know being an Australian man how awkward some men feel about praying in front of anybody, even their own family. I mean, what advice do you have for people with in that space? What do you say to them? I don't know. Mm -hmm. 
I uh, I come to the place where I can pray with anyone anywhere. Yeah, right. I was playing a dome with with a man with one of my friends the other day. Yeah, right. And it's no problem. Put my arm around and put my hand in there, shut my eyes, and away I go. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't care. So I better come back. I'll, I'll be here all day chatting to you guys. We'll get to some of the the key parts of the story. So at the age of sixteen, you go to uh, an evangelistic crusade and you're yes. baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's right. That's right. 1960, before the charismatic movement, anything like that, I got baptised in the Holy Spirit. man said to me, would you like to be baptised in the Holy Spirit? I had not the faintest idea what he was talking about. <laughs> but I, had, I, was, I, I knew enough to know that uh, baptism, you know, my understanding, his might be a bit different, and the Holy Spirit, and if, and it was basically like there was something going on the starter. And that's what happened. It was the first supernatural contract or the first... Um, I felt like, like, like my, the, my uh, spirit and, so, and my stomach here turned. It was like the whole thing turned. And uh, there was just an outpouring. And I, I knew then, I knew that, that God touches lives. Did you go home to your folks and tell them anything about it? Or? Oh, I don't know. My, 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 I think my brothers, my three brothers, I think, were there. No one said anything. We just went home. And, oh, really? Yeah. Wow. But I was aware of the presence of God for, for days, for days afterwards. Yeah. For days and days and days and days. In fact, I still have it. Well, to be baptised with the Holy Spirit means to be immersed. The Greek mm-hmm. word for mm-hmm. baptised means that's to be so. immersed. It doesn't mean to get a touch. It means no, to no. be immersed. And that's yeah. what God wants to do for all mm. of us, really. Isn't yes. it? But, so then you're going from there. You you meet your beautiful wife. Yes. I want to ask you about this, Di, because I love what your mum told you. Tell everybody what your mum said about you marrying a Christian man? (laughs) Well, she didn't actually tell us that we had to marry a Christian Uh, man. It was a given. But I loved the dance floor. Uh It was, they used to have big bands and used to have tickets and go to supper. And the boy and the girls all sat around and the boys all came and picked you, you see. I just loved it. And, And I used to go every Saturday night and that when I wasn't on duty, um, I was a nurse, training nurse, and, um, oh, we had a wonderful, wonderful time. But my mother always used to say, you will never meet an Eskimo at the equator and you will <laughs> never meet a Christian on a dance floor. <laughs> I just love it. What a very succinct turn of phrase. So when did you meet Chris then? Well, Chris and I... Um, often were in the same place at the same time. Uh Uh-huh. Did you like him back then or did you? No. You didn't? Okay. I didn't notice him. Oh, really? I actually didn't notice him. He didn't notice me. Oh. And and the thing was that I had an encounter with God where an old preacher said that we might go to Bible school, which I intended to do, but we might not meet our husbands there. Oh. But he said... You sometimes choose someone because you want to get married. And I definitely wanted to get married. He said, but sometimes God wants to keep you single. Wow. And none of the other girls that were with me were touched, but I cried. I could not help it. I just cried and cried and cried and cried. So I said, okay, Lord, I will just go to the mission field. (laughs) And I really thought that that was going to happen. It did. But you see, God knew that I needed someone to look after me. Mm-hmm. And so within weeks, mm. Chris and I 
met and he was he was engaged with evangelism on the streets and they ha and they used to bring them back to the church hall sometimes 200 bodges and widgies were at that church hall oh, right. you better it, explain bodges and widgies chris what uh, what are bodges and widgies well if you think of uh, elvis presley uh -huh. and you think uh, bushy must uh, sideburns down uh -huh. to about here and lots of hair cream down the side and you could get something to go forward and back like that. And that, that that's a bodgy. And if you've um, crepe sole shoes, two inches, blue suede crepe sole shoes, and jeans uh, with a 14 inch cuff. And you need to have a zip up on the inside to get it down again. So, wow. Yeah. And were they like rival gangs or something? No, uh, they were with them. Bodgies were the men and the girl boys, and the widgies were the girls. Girls used to have dresses with um, oh. little tubes on the inside, blow it up so they were out they were like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are some fashions that we don't want to see coming. No, 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 I'm no, pretty that, sure that's that, one that's, of them. That's, that's, that would so be you were out on the street, as it were, yeah. ministering to these and trying, hundreds of these kids. Trying, trying, trying. Yeah, but I mean, again, a, I was having a crack. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I, I honestly think I look back over some of my life and go, I wasn't the smartest or necessarily the most likely, but I was willing to have a go. Yes. And my pastor used to say this, he used to say, have a go, you never know you might win. That's true. That's and, true. I, and I think about it, I, I was saying to someone only today, you know, the woman who had the issue of blood in Mark 5 who gets healed, she could have sat home and said, you know, Lord, if it's your will, why don't you please just come and heal me? Send Jesus to my door. But... She had to get up out of the house. She had to go to where Jesus was. She had to press through the crowd. Yes. And isn't it true that oftentimes it's not that we're waiting for God, but God's waiting for us to do something. Yes, he gives you an opportunity to respond. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And you have, you have to listen to his voice. You have, you have to listen to what he's saying. What did you enjoy the most about being an Anglican priest? Uh, well, it was my... Um, it was the only real desire I had all my life. There were only, you know, uh, as a young man, there were two things, was rugby union and cricket. I wasn't much good at either, but I loved both. Mm. But the thing at the very back of it always was I wanted to be a preacher of the gospel. Wow. And I always believed that most Anglican churches were failing because there was no preaching of the word of God. And there was no, there was no study of the word of God to build people up in the faith. And I would, I would, I would take that today. Um, I can look back over the three churches where I served, and uh, we still have contact with people who were certainly um, in our church in Turkal. Um, what's in the forty years ago now? Wow. We still. I was talking to one one of my ex parishioners today. Wow. His wife died, um, and we are still as close as we ever were. So it was, it was, it was, a, it was, it was a sadness when that was brought to an end. I think one of the things that we sometimes don't understand is that serving God in any field, in an, any endeavour, is a privilege. Yes. That, nice. yeah. I think some people get the idea that serving is like an obligation or a bit of a weight. But the reality is, I know some of the things that you guys have done to help people and I'm not going to start naming names, but there's so many and I hear about them often. But I know the way you feel about it, that to be involved with people 
in God's name, in Jesus' name, is just one of the greatest joys you ever get in your entire life. Yes. Yes. Wow. So you're a parish priest for 10 years and then you, was was it after that that you come to Australia? Um, well, yes, what, what, what happened was I was actually, um, I was actually fired by the Anglican Church. Basically, um, the, the, there were two issues. One was that I came to a place where I personally wouldn't baptise babies. But that's, that wasn't a problem to me. If they wanted a, a, a baptism service, I'd get another minister to come in and do it. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't, it was no big issue. Uh, and That's uh, because you felt that baptism is something for a believer who's made the choice. Well, God told me to get baptised. I, I was baptised in the second year in the ministry. Mm -hmm. And for eight years, uh, wherever I went, uh, young people came wanting to get baptised, or people just went and got baptised. There wasn't, there was, you know, it just it just happened, you know. And I felt the blessing of God followed with it, and wow. and you know, I'm. So how did you feel when they removed you from that place? Well, it it was an ugly situation in so much that, uh, see, two things happened. Uh, one of my parishioners was a man called Arthur Thomas. They made a film about Arthur called Beyond Reasonable Doubt. Arthur was twice convicted of a double murder and then granted a royal pardon. The, the Prime Minister of the day, Robert Muldoon, let him out. And so the, the area was quite deeply divided. Um, the young men in, my in our church who'd grown up with Arthur always thought he should be out and he was out and that was fine. But there were other people sort of who had fingers into high places who saw it differently. And so that's, you know, they, they, that's how it, that's all happened. Um, some people say, well, as an Anglican minister, you should baptise babies. No, I, I don't have a problem with that. But, you know, I, as I said to the Archbishop, I was ordained with men who didn't believe in God, the virgin birth, physical resurrection, miracles was the inspiration of scripture. I didn't really see that I had a problem. He, he basically agreed with me. So when you stop being an Anglican priest, because it is a job and it is your livelihood and you do have a family. Yes. So what did you do after that? Well, um, the hand of God opened for something I didn't, wasn't, wasn't looking for, didn't want, but I sold insurance for the AMP Society. And, um, <laughs> now, for those of you that are very young, you will not remember a time when you didn't buy insurance online by just a couple of clicks on a website, someone came to your home. Yes. And you were one of the guys, and yes. the AMP was probably the most well-known of all the was, insurance companies. It was, it was, it was. And they would come and sit down in your home, and they'd open up a folder, yes. and you'd select what you wanted, yes. and they'd sign you yeah. up. Yes, 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 yes. You yes. did all of that? You did all that for one year, and, and then at the end of that year, they invited me to come into management, uh -huh. which made it possible for me to come over here. I was in sales management here with AMP. In Perth? In Perth, yes. So how big was Perth when you came? 1986. Uh, okay, so been under a million. Uh, I can't say a million. Yeah, same as when you came. Yeah, we came in 88, and I think it was 800,000 when we came. So yeah, yeah. And it was, the America's there. Cup was on. Oh, okay. And you know, it was, it was they were good times. Yeah, well. Hmm. So from did you go? I'm jumping ahead, but seriously, folks, we haven't even got halfway yet. But was it? Did you go to India first from here, or to China? I went from India from New Zealand. Okay. My final year in the ministry, um, Stephen Ryder came and preached oh, okay. at my church, oh, and and he um, 
he got on to some of the boys, the, the, the young men there, and a man called Paul Massey, who is a lifelong friend. He, he was a contractor and he said, I put $3,000 on the end of this contract. And he forget the contract. He said, the 3,000 is yours. And you said you wanted to go to India, though? No, 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 I hadn't said a thing. Hadn't so this guy, he decides for you that you're Oh, Stephen, to... Stephen didn't ask questions, he just, he made decisions. Because <laughs> Steve Ryder had quite a big ministry going into India, so was yes, yes, he yes. the connection yes, for yes, that? Yes, 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 Jesus heals. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I drove Steve around for a while. Yeah. Uh, and when I was a young guy, yeah, I was driving him around to different schools where he'd give his story. Yeah. But... So how many times have you been to India since? Uh, well, I went in 86 and then we, uh, in 80, 82, sorry, my last year in the ministry. And, and I, I promised God that if I could succeed in insurance, I would come back and do something for the village pastors. Wow. Because what I saw was the Seventh-day Adventists looked after their people. The Catholics were brilliant looking after their people. Anglicans did a very good job. All the Pentecostal men in, in little villages... Um, they were, they were, they were paddling thin air. Yeah, well. So I said, I'll, if, if you let me come back, I'll do it. I'll, I'll promise I'll do something. Mm -hmm. And that was really my, that's been my sort of life since. Wow. So how many times do you think you've been to India anyway? Hard to, like about eight, nine, ten. Wow. Okay. Tell me about China though as well, because I, I think, how big was the town you came from in New Zealand, by the way? Uh, well, Tuakau. Uh, Fourteen hundred, I imagine. So, I always oh, think it's I always think it's funny because God can take people out of these very tiny places at the complete bottom end of the world. Yes, and then He takes you to India, yeah. but then you end up going to China. That's right. So, tell us about China. What happened, China? Well, um, Diane's grandmother, mother's mother, had always been a supporter of a man called Riwi Ali. Rui Ali is a Kiwi who, who joined the Communist Party in 1920s and was a friend of Joe and Lai's. And um, she supported him like he was a missionary. In the days not when a Christian. No, 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 not, not, not quite. quite, quite, quite yeah. But it, it actually happened, I went to the same primary school as her in a place called Springfield. And, and India's, uh, China has always had a, a draw for, you know, for, for both of us. <laughs> and so um, when, when we... Eventually, sales management closed. I took redundancy and uh, a long process, but I went to Murdoch University to learn to speak Chinese, so we go to China. How and, long did you go to Murdoch for? Uh, five years. Uh, three years. I stayed on, yeah, five this years. This is only Mandarin, I'm assuming. Uh, I, Chinese culture, uh, a little bit of Chinese history in China. Can, we, can I jump in a second here and just ask you, Diane, Already your life has become such a whirlwind. You've gone from being an Anglican minister's wife to moving to Australia, selling insurance. You go, do you went with Crystal on the first trip to India or no? So you stay behind. He's gone off in the days when you would not have known where he was or what was happening until he gets back. And now he comes to you one day and goes, I've got a grand dream. I'm going to go to China. What do you... Were you up for all this? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is a dream. Is that right? Yeah. Right. I always think we need to be intentional. Yeah, right. And okay. So I married this man. So I became his bride. Yeah. So that's a bride, isn't it? Okay. You just carry on being the bride. <laughs> and, you know, we 
goes, you go. And, and um, So yeah. did you learn, go to university as well? No, no. So he's going to go over there being able to speak. No. You're going to go over there going, I'm with him. Is that the way Just it works? with him, looking after him. Hey, how long did you live in China for? Oh, we oh, lived there we, for 10 years. We went before, we went yeah. before. lots of times, yeah. but yeah. then we went in... Um, 1999. 1999. Yeah. And we, we um, lived there for 10 years. Oh, it was amazing. So how big was the town you lived in in China? Beijing. Uh, Beijing. <laughs> <laughs> so 1,400 in, what was the name of the town? Tuakau. Tuakau. Yeah. So uh, how many in Beijing then? About 25 million. 25 million. I said, hello, am I the only person who goes, this is so nuts in a great way? Seriously. Do you look back at your life and go, God, I couldn't have made this up? Yes, 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 yeah, sure, sure. I remember sitting with you in the church cafe years ago. That was one of the prompts for me for this, uh, getting with you today, because you told me about some of the Chinese characters mm -hmm and that the gospel had been hidden in their characters mm. for centuries mm. and that when one of the things you did when you'd go to China and met with people who'd never heard the name of Jesus, you would say, do you not realise that the story of the mm. Saviour is here? And you would pull out these, these Chinese characters yes. and begin to say, can you explain some of these to us? What okay. they mean? Like, there are two characters here character here on my right on your left is you see two trees one two and a space here and a snake and that's the Chinese um, character for deception so Adam and Eve was deceived in a garden with two trees by a snake and over here you see another tree here and that becomes more shu which is magic and the 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 deception as it were, is unravelled with the with with the with the, the the cross of Calvary, the tree on which Jesus died. Now you see, um, <coughs> we believe we believe wow. that the Chinese ancestry came to the hinterland of the Yellow River, and that's the Chinese all believe this that they came to the hinterland and came down through the Yellow River. The Yellow River is called the cradle of Chinese society. We believe that they were a righteous remnant from the Tower of Babel. Wow. And uh, so you see here, this is the Chinese word chuan, which is a word for boat. And you see here, there's a boat with two decks. And over here on your right, there are two, uh, two characters here, the top character and the bottom one, Ba Kol, which is eight mouths. So the only boat in antiquity that had a boat with, with eight mouths was of course Noah's Ark. And, um, and it starts to get kind of well, cute, spooky music here. Well, well they've just, just did that. No, yeah. they've got this that one, one here. This one here. This is an ancient Chinese character for E, Y I, E, for, which is the Chinese word for righteousness. And it's made up of two characters. The one on the top here, that is the Chinese character for uh, Yang, which is a character for a sheep or a goat. So there's a sheep. And underneath is the character here, war, which is I. So the Chinese character for righteousness is a lamb over me. Wow. Jesus, the wow. Son of God, is my 
my righteousness. Wow. Yeah. I wish I'd had you with me. I, I remember in my first year here in Perth, I got asked to go and share the gospel with the three Chinese men. I spoke no mm-hmm. Mandarin. They spoke no English. We had it translated twice, but they had never heard the name of Jesus. And I, it was the first time I'd ever encountered someone who had no Christian background. But, you know, we got to share with them and pray with them. But these kinds of... What's this one? That's the same. That That's deception. Oh, okay, self. that's the big one. Yes, yes. Yeah, okay, great. So you were there working for the Australian government. Uh, well, and, what happened was I went initially to... T- went to university to get... Yet to, yeah, you got to be able to find a job, and the, the jobs that were going were teaching English. Right. So I did a dip ed, and um, I um, got a job at a high school, which was a pretty swanky place. It was very expensive, and there was a lot of there was a lot of money floating around at that time. But then uh, I was going backwards, and I was going. We're at the point we have to go home, and so I said to the Lord, I said, "Look, I need I need a job where I can support my wife and my ministry." And about 10 days later, uh, an Indian woman walked into our home and said, would you like my job? And she worked at the Australian Embassy. And she was the North Asia manager for the Australian Centre for International Agricultural Research, which, uh, which meant, and, and I, I was pretty keen on that as an idea. And I, I got onto that one fairly quickly. And so what it meant for six years, I had an office in the embassy and I had a car and I was privileged to travel all over China. Again, do you not, I mean, God could be the only explanation oh, for this kind that, that, of... No, I won't go into that because it, the, the, the person who thought he had the job was imminently, he, he was way in front of me. Uh, and that, so what were your qualifications for the job? Um, You're Australian. No, no, <laughs> I, I was Australian, yes. But, uh, but uh, I just had a Bachelor of Arts degree in Asian Studies and... A, di- a diploma in education, wow. and and the man in Canberra flew up from Canberra, and 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 well, actually, what happened was he did, and then the lady who'd been there in front of me simply she wrote me a letter appointing me, and told him I've appointed the guy. <laughs> That's how it goes. So I got to travel. I visited every province in China, bar two, and I've also travelled and uh, worked in North Korea. I didn't even know about that one. What were you, how long were you in North Korea for? About four years. No, but just in and out. In and out, in and out. We never, we never lived there. You, you don't live there. Yeah, right. But we had projects in North Korea, so we, 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 we went there. I don't often get speechless, but this could be the first one. <laughs> it's just, I find it, I love it though, because I think, I look around even at the, the team that are here with us today, and I think, Every single one of us are uniquely crafted by God to have certain skills, but God's not limited even to our skill set. He's able to do, you know, I love that verse where it says, unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we can ask or even think, according to the power that works within us. When someone gives their life to Christ, which we'll talk to everyone about in a minute, but when you do that, um. I just think it's so sad that for some people, they think being a Christian is about, I believe this about Jesus, these doctrines, then I try and be good and that's it. And I go, your life shows something so much great. I mean, could you have imagined as a little girl in 
Kakoa that you'd sit here and be able to tell us the story about living in China for 10 years and your husband's flitting in and out of North Korea, one of the most repressive states in the world. And you, you just, yeah, well. Yeah, and you haven't retired. No, no. Yeah. No, no. And when we were in China, I used to say to Jesus, oh, Lord Jesus, there have to be children here that in orphanages, but I can't find them. And then this expat group, a, a, a lovely lady, I minded a little girl, and she took me to this expat group. And suddenly we were working in an orphanage just outside, volunteering, right. outside of, um, by the airport. And then we went, <laughs> we, we found out about a lady who started to rescue prisoners' children. Yes. And so we started to take birthday cakes on there once a month and sing songs about Jesus and sing, and, um, and, and, and they even had no heating. And now they've got a whole village. Wow. Oh, it's mind-boggling stuff. And it's, it's talk about a team. It was just all these expats. Hmm. And even, even lions got involved. Wow. Um, and, and rotary. Oh. And um, and then we what else did we do, Chris? Oh yes, and, we, and then we heard about some people out in, in the countryside who had children, and so we all tutored out there. We had an amazing. Life. Do you, do you ever stop and think? You know, I love again that verse in Genesis where I think it's um, uh, Isaac's servant gets sent out and he says, oh, I yeah. being in the, the way the Lord called the me. Lord led me. Yes, yeah. it's a key verse. Mm. Yeah. It's you, a key verse. You know, because it, it sounds to me when I listen to your story and we haven't even gone into some of the other things that I know happened for you in China, helping rescue the Russian girls and some of that stuff. But, you know, I look we back We didn't at, really rescue them. We just saw them. Oh, okay. It's, it's terrible. Right. I cannot describe these beautiful girls who've been smuggled, wow. eyes absolutely dead. They just look at you as they're taken to go and be with Chinese men. Wow. We just prayed. So I we, don't know what happened to them. But I know you've still been going back to India. Oh, yes. yes. Have you got another trip planned? We, we're ready to go. Ready to go. <laughs> but where we go now, it's very um, militant up there at the yes, moment. And we cannot go back to where we first came. You're actually forbidden to go back now and hold meetings. I remember at one of our Faith, Hope and Love gatherings a couple of months ago, I think, I remember prophesying about to both of you mm -hmm. that people were going to come up with some support because up until now, I think it's all been by you working. We're tent makers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I thought about that and I really do want to say if you want to help support Chris and Di to be able to go 79, did you say you are? Uh, 79 in January. 79, and we're not going to ask the lady's age, but... No, no two years say, younger, two okay. years old. <laughs> okay. We have the same, oh. birth, we have the same birthday. <laughs> he, he said it, not me. Uh, but I did want to say, seriously, if you want to be a part of helping them go on their next trip uh, and go to minister to these places that a lot of people don't ever else go to, you know, it's not like there's a big, well-worn path of all the famous Christian leaders going to where you go. But if people wanted to do that, you can email us, info at metrochurch.org.au. You, if you're actually in the building, you can go to the Connect Hub, say this is for Chris and Di. 
whatever, everything that does get given. If you want to support it, we will give it all to them and be our privilege to be a part of that. Because I just know there'll be uh, some people, I don't say that to embarrass you and you certainly didn't ask for it, but I just know having prophesied that it never left my mind that God was going to get some other people to help carry some of the load for you guys. Uh, in a minute, I'm going to get you to pray for people because I think all of us deep down want to be a part of something greater than ourselves. Yes. I don't know of any better way to do that than to have done what you did, which is to give your life to Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit come and fill you and he's feeling like you said before, is like the wind picks you up and carries you. And then to have all through your life, even to this day, an attitude that says, if I see a need, let me do whatever I can. Mm -hmm. You just told us about the Russian girls and said, we never rescued them, mm -hmm. but you did what you could do at that time. Because um, I know the ministry of prayer is a, a very important part for both of you. Mm -hmm. So I'd love you, I'll ask you both if you would to do that, just to pray for people that are a part of this, uh, my story and who go, God, I, I'd love it if you'd use me like that. I'd love it if you would do something great with my life. I, I think, I think, don't you, Chris? I think most Christians want that. Yes, 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 yes. We yes. do want that. One of my favourite scriptures is, they floated ashore on mm. pieces of flotsam. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, when you serve God, it's very unplanned. Mm. And you see, here's Paul, he's mm. going where God wants him to go, and the silly boat gets shipwrecked, mm. but no lives were lost. Yeah, wow. And I often yeah. think that our lives are a bit that we've just gone yeah. held to shoulder into things and we floated ashore on pieces of flotsam. Mm. Do you know how he left that island? He left it so rich he could buy a house in Rome. Mm. He left it so rich that he was on one of those Phoenician Sailboat. So he came into the harbour on a cruise ship wow. and all his followers were waiting for him at the slave ship. Yeah, wow. You see. Wow. <laughs> That's how it is. I've That's never heard Christian that before. Life. That one will preach. I'm telling you, I'm going to just make a note of that one. That's for sure. So thank you for that little gem that you've dropped in there for everyone. It's but it's scripture. true, isn't it, though? You know, remember when we interviewed Marcus O'Dern uh, several months earlier this year? about how to abase and how to abound. It's a mistake if you live going, the only way I'm going to live with you, God, is if everything goes right, if everything goes well. There will be moments where you're out of a job, yes. where you're going, what's coming next, where you're in a place where you're teaching English, no longer there, what do I do next? And miraculously, you end up working for the Department of Agriculture, Foreign... Uh, for the Department of Foreign Affairs. Yeah. You work for that with, despite not having the requisite experience or whatever else, and you go, it, it's a pretty extraordinary life, don't you think? One. 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 Can I ask you both, if you would, maybe Di, if you would first, then Chris, if you would just pray. I don't know who's a part of this, but I will guarantee there are people hearing this, being a part of this, saying, oh, God, I, I want to put my hand up. I want that. I want to live, not the excitement, because I know there's been tough days, but... God, I just want to know that I'm where you want me to be. That's what I think our prayer is. Isn't it? Oh, Father, what can we just say to you today for everybody else? But, Lord, you'll walk with them mm. like you've walked with us. 
You'll keep them together as family. Mm. Lord, you'll, you'll let them be fulfilled in the purpose for which they were born. And ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Father. And Father, I want to thank you that you created each one of us individually. You created each one of us, Lord, with a destiny and a highway that is ours and ours alone. Pray, Father, there will be an expectation and an excitement in anyone and everyone's heart and life that says, yes, I can, yes, I will. And I will go forward and I'll go up and I'll see the goodness and the absolute excellency of our God and our Saviour. Father, I bless every family. I bless every child. I bless every mother, every father, every grandfather. Lord, as long as we have all breath, Lord, may we look to you, almighty God, and say, Father, I love you, and yes, I'm willing to do what you've, what, what you've put before me. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. In Amen. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Look, it's so brilliant to chat with you both today, and I'm so conscious of the fact that we have not touched half of your stories and may have to be a part two at some later point but just before we finish i'm always aware too that some of you that are a part of this are going to be going i always thought of god as being like the old person in the sky or maybe you grew up with a, a form of faith around about you or like many today maybe you've grown up with none of that at all and maybe you're hearing the gospel expressed in these two people's lives uh, as though it's a brand new story for you. But can I tell you that just like in these Chinese characters that for thousands of years have carried the imprint of the good news that there's a saviour, that there's a lamb uh, who's willing to become your righteousness, that in the same way, if you look back in your life, I guarantee you will find that there's been moments where it's almost like God intervention. You know what I mean by that? It's like little God moments. I, can, I look back and I remember sometimes when I was about to make a really dumb decision and it was like something pulled me up and I look back now and go, that was the hand of God, although I never knew it at the time. And so I want to encourage you that to say yes to Jesus is not allowing a stranger into your life because he's been with you, around you for all your life. He's just been waiting for this moment where you say, like Chris and Di said, uh, at, at various points of their life and probably, honestly, all the way through your life. Just kept saying, Jesus, I'm going to say yes to you. I say yes to your will for my life. And if that's you, I'd love to pray for you. Mm. I believe that you can make a step that will make the reality of Jesus so tangible in your life that you will say after this point, you go, now I know I'm a Christian. Mm. Now I know I'm a Christian. I'm not just someone who's wondering or believing that God's there. I've become someone who knows Jesus. And that's our prayer for you. So let me pray for you. Father, thank you for every single person that's a part of this wonderful My Story. But God, we know how desperately you love every human being on planet Earth, all the billions of Chinese that you loved them before any missionary ever went from some Western country to them. You had said, I'm going to put the seeds of my gospel into their culture, into their language so that even their daily use, they're going to be reminded that there's something more. And so, Father, I thank you for the people that are a part of this, uh, my story, that are remembering right now some of the echoes, as it were, some of the faint whispers of the Holy Spirit back in their life. That time when they just prayed, Jesus, save me, and they, they could have been killed, but, Lord, you were there for them, and 
the times, Lord, when you've brought a Christian across their path and, and they maybe didn't respond then, but, Lord, today they want to say yes to you. Thank you for them. Thank you for these divine appointment moments in our life. In Jesus' name. Yeah, if that's you and you say yes to Jesus, then please, we would love to be a part of helping you. Up on the screen for you now comes the ways that you can respond. Simply texting YES, Y-E-S, to 0488 826 392 if you're in Australia. Or if you'd like to get a help via email or you're outside of Australia, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Either way, we'll get us and we will be able to then send you some help, which we'll send to you free. Well, everything's free from us, to be honest. Uh, but for the next 30 days, we'll send you a Bible verse. It's new every day and a prayer, a different one every day. You get that for 30 days. If you want to, you can sign up after that for some 10 days, uh, small mini series that'll help you to grow in many areas of your faith. And I would so encourage you because really asking Jesus in your life is the beginning. And even though you're 79, it's not the end. There's more yet to come. Hey, Chris and I, thank you so much for inviting us into your home. Thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing some of the incredible stuff of your life. And I reckon Sunday after this in the cafe, it's going to be Chris, come and sit in here. Tell me a bit more. I never knew that. And what about this? I reckon you guys, thank you for all you do in serving in Metro Kids, in the parents' room, in pastoral care for people. Lord have mercy, you just do so much and we love you both. We love you not just for what you do, we love you because of your heart for God. And uh, thank you, we applaud you and we're proud of you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Hey, thanks for being a part of this. Remember you're always welcome at Metro at any one of our services. Mm -hmm.